This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Simon Anthony Roden, we talk about West End coming back and Hamilton and how he's doing through all of these fantastic changes. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Simon Anthony Roden. And I know, I know our time is limited today, so forgive me for, for hitting the hot spots here. And I want to jump ahead to present day because I really want to talk about, um, you know, West End Theater coming back and yes. Hamilton and yes. your journey to that show. Um, I'm wondering if you could touch on that a little bit, you know, becoming a part, you know, coming a part of that show and what it's, mm-hmm. you know, done for you and how you feel about it. Um, so becoming a part of that show. So initially when I got the role in 2019, um, I had auditioned pretty much immediately after I finished Kinky Boots for the, m- the most of the year. So I was literally being seen in and, in and out um, of the year um, up until about, about September. So we finished in January and I think my first audition was in February Mm. and then my last audition was in September of that year, I think. Mm. And then I was basically told no after all that auditioning. Um, And then we um, then we started rehearsals in October. And I think two weeks before that rehearsal, I was called up and told that I got the role. Like they just offered to me, offered offered to me out of nowhere. And. I was a little bit unsure as to like, I mean, I said yes immediately and I was absolutely thrilled, but I was unsure as to why that process was the process. Um, And because of that, I was really insecure as to doing the role because it was this major role, you know, Aaron Burr, something that I've always wanted to do, but something that is literally worldwide known. And so, as well as the musical. And so I was just kind of like, this is major. Why have they, you know, why have they chosen me? and I remember the director coming up to me and just saying, like, you know, we saw a lot of people for this role and we chose you. That wasn't by accident. And when he said that, I was like, OK, let's put our game face on and let's do this. Mm-hmm. And then I also learned as well that the guy um, before me wasn't sure whether or not he was leaving or not. So that's basically why it was it was such a, a strange sort of like um, acceptance of, of me of me doing the role. And mm-hmm. and so then then all the all the puzzles were filled in and so then I was able to just get on and do the work and obviously for four, for four months I really enjoyed it and was really finding my feet with it uh, and the audience was was were great and then COVID obviously hit um which was really you know such a scary time for everybody and so you know we went back I went back to Bristol and just chilled for as, as long as it, as it took and then throughout that time you know we were in constant contact with the company and stuff like that and you know the world was not sure how we were dealing with this thing and when we were going to go back um and so there were like constant sort of like dates that were kept being pushed back and pushed back and pushed Mm -hmm. back and then eventually we sort of like got um got the august date and it seemed as though you know with vaccines coming in and and things like and and cases going down it seemed as though this was a promising start uh and so yeah so going back just felt i think more um profound than before in fact because although I guess it was an important musical, but I think after the year that we had, the, there's, there was such a profoundness with this musical because I don't feel the same person I did when I left the show back in, uh, back in early 2020. Mm. And it was really difficult to sort of um, gauge the way I approached certain scenes, certain songs, you know, in telling, in telling this story. And I remember when we opened on the 19th of 
August and we did Yorktown. Mm. And there's a bit where we whisper, um, the world turned upside down. And as that started to sort of evoke in the theatre, I got really emotional because the world literally turned upside down and like the audience is looking back at us and they're so excited to be in that space and so excited to watch the show. And they're feeling exactly the same way. Like we haven't worked for goodness knows how long. They haven't been in a theatre and seen a show for goodness knows how long. And we all love what we do and, and the audience love what they come to see. And so when that was being said, it was powerful so powerful and so true to that moment um and that's the brilliance of this show i think because i feel like this show sort of like touches on so many you know history history does repeat itself and and it touches on so many things that we sort of are experiencing still in this day and age in very different ways obviously but like scenarios um are very similar you know I do. I do. And you mentioned that, um, you know, the audience is so excited to be back. What is that energy every night in the theater, you know, doing this? Show? Uh, is it electric? <laughs> <laughs> it's electric, you know, because also with this show, right? Like, so with Kinky Boots, like you get cheers and it's amazing and they absolutely love you. You come out as Lola and it's great. <laughs> with this one, normally people absolutely hate Aaron Burr. <laughs> But when, um, <laughs> and I love it, I actually relish in it. So it's great. And I'm, and, and that's what I got used to for the four and a half months that I did it for. And then coming back, when you step on stage and you hear the dun, 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 and people are still cheering after they've seen Aaron Burr out, it's really difficult to not keep the straight face and not, not be, you know, the stern Aaron Burr who shot Hamilton. Do you know what I mean? Right, right, right. But it is amazing because they are, because when that happens, they are on board with you as well. And I think that's what's so brilliant about um, doing doing um, our job um, is that, you know, we have an amazing, amazing crowd of people that come there to essentially support mostly. That's what it feels like. It doesn't really, it feels like they are just another part of the puzzle as opposed to people sort of like watching a show. Um, and it's fantastic. It's a fantastic energy that um, that they bring. And it's so much fun to do. I have to ask this question because uh, there's a lot of accordion style, you know, nerves here in the States on theater reopening. How is yeah. it feeling? I mean, if you could speak to just, you know, walking down the street, what's the general atmosphere over there? Is it, are people feeling safe? Is theater feeling, you know, good to be back? What is that general emotion? So, I mean, in our, in our building, like we are really sort of like cautious of COVID. And so we have lo lots of measures, like, for example, like only, you know, we've got one person to a room, like if you're in, in your, your dressing room, we've got one to a person in your room. We um, do COVID tests every day, um, mm. everything. We've got like a little sanit sanitizer station in our, show you that as well. We've got a sanitizer station in our dressing rooms just to make sure that everything is clean and safe and, and the staff in the building are, are doing a really good job. And as, as well as wearing our PPE and stuff like that. And so going onto the streets, um, you know, especially after a show, it's really difficult to sort of like distance yourself from audiences, especially when they've really enjoyed the show. But you sort of, they're, they're respectful of your space, you're respectful of theirs. And if they want to take a picture, we do it at a distance, but we take a picture nonetheless. And mm -hmm. it's generally quite respectful and safe. Um, and I feel as though there is a consciousness of, 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 of each other. And I think because of that, it just means that we can be sensible as, as to how we go about things, because 
however long this happens for, I think we have a responsibility to uh, make sure that the spread doesn't sort of continue because we all want to get on with our lives, whether it's going to see theatre or whether it's doing a regular job or whether it's just like, you know, socialising with friends or something like that. Like, I think I think people seem to be really responsible, which is which is another thing that I was concerned at. So I live in Bristol, but I work in London. Mm. And so in Bristol, it's a, it's a smaller population of people. And so... I'm not so concerned because there's much more like actual space purely because it's not so overpopulated. Mm. Whereas in London, I was, I was concerned about coming back because, you know, there are way more people here. Um, But as I say, like, I think people are respectful of each other's spaces and it seems to be quite a, a generally a safe um, space to be at the moment. I love that. It's yeah. There's a, a very good sense of we, <laughs> not just I. Yes, which... 100%. And I think that's I think that's brilliant, to be honest. I feel yeah. like, especially in a large city like London, I don't know what New York's like, but like often it can be very individual. Like although you are, the, although there is the, probably the most people in the country in that one spot, yeah. it can be sometimes the most loneliest place. And I think mm-hmm. with something like this, it, it has brought def- certainly the city, if not the world together. And I think mm-hmm. that can only be a good thing. Well, hopefully we can take some examples from you <laughs> over here as we move forward, because it's, uh, you know, un- United States of America. The uh, <laughs> um, During this time, are there changes you've made that have increased positivity and decreased negativity? In what respect? Uh, mentally, mon- mental health, uh, what you look at. Myself. Look at. Yeah. Um. To be honest, I think as you know, I th- as I said, like I'm, you know, I made a change to my life quite a long time ago, and I think I just keep up that that process really. So I don't think much has changed. I don't mm. think I don't. I try not to take myself too seriously. I try not to take the opportunities that I've had for granted because I think, you know, there there is always a an end to something, um, and where there is an up, there is always a down as well. And so I think for me, I just try to be as level-headed as possible, as well as the people I have around me, my partner and my family, you know, and I go, so I stay with my um, my family when I'm um, in London, and they will, they see me as me, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, so although I'll probably like leave stage door and people will be like, you know, really sort of like flattering and stuff like that. When I step through those doors, I'm just ordinary, <laughs> ordinary me, and then there's not there's nothing special about me and so i and i and i love that do you know what i mean like i love mm. and that's why i live in bristol as well it's, it's so i have an escape from this crazy world because as lovely as it is that people are so you know sycophantic and so nice about the thing that i do i i do like to have the, an opportunity to step away because i am just an ordinary person do you know what i mean yeah of course of course do you have any failures or favorite failures that have set you up for success uh, uh, yes, I do. There's one that comes to mind that happened quite a long time ago. And there's another one, actually. There's there's two. So I, okay. I, I'll, I'll tell you both because they're not that long. So I became, in my, in my high school, I became prefect. And I then also became head boy. And my best friend um, thought that I was basically being too uh, extra because I, you know, I thought I was the best and I was head boy, which means I could do this, that and the other sort of thing. Mm. And she stopped talking to me like, for, for ages and I literally didn't know why and eventually I sort of like plucked up the courage because she was quite scary when she when she's mad at you she's very scary <laughs> <laughs> and I plucked up the courage to ask her like what was wrong and why she wasn't talking to me and she basically says 
you know, you've let the power go to your head, you've changed sort of thing. And that's something that has never, ever, ever left me to this day because I didn't realize my selfish attitude essentially had affected my relationships with the people that I care about. Mm. And more than being the most powerful person in the room, I want people around me who I care about and who and, and who care about me. Right. And so that's something that has never left me. And then the second one was when I joined Kinky Boots, I actually joined as a swing before I became um, the lead. And I didn't know what the word swing meant. And so I just assumed it was a fancy word for uh, cover the lead because <laughs> in my contract, I knew that I covered uh, Lola. Right, right. And so I just watched... I, just watched everything Lola did and I was just like in rehearsals like amazed just like oh my god this is amazing not realizing that I had like uh you know like seven other tracks that I had to learn and I remember the uh, company manager um taking me into the office and being like uh, is everything okay um and I was like no I'm not okay I'm overwhelmed I didn't know I was supposed to do this you've got the wrong person I shouldn't have this job and I was just absolutely panicked about it because I didn't know how I was ever going to be able to take on such a massive responsibility is right. to sort of cover multiple peoples in one show. Like that's never, I've never, I've never known that before. Like mm. you, you have an understudy, but that's it. That's, that's my comprehension of, of a swing, but yeah. it was more than that. Um, and so it's just about sort of like, you know, understanding, you know, what your, what your expectations are when you walk into a building essentially and doing the best you can. And so by the end of that um, time that I did this, um, um, I, I swung in that show, I absolutely enjoyed the role and it was more exciting than I expected it to be purely because you got to be somebody every time you went on for a different track, um, which was, which was really, really exciting. I love that. Those great answers. Absolutely great answers. Is there a is there a common piece of incorrect advice that you hear either within theater and the the work or within a personal life, the you know, a piece of advice on way to live life? So I guess like the easy answer to that is yes, but I don't have an example of that. But like mm. there is I think now I think I think there's a lot to do with um, mental health in this industry, especially because, you know, I think as you know, I guess lessons that I kind of have learned over my, the course of my life, mm. I think have really sort of rung true becoming successful in this industry. And, you know, as actors, we are insecure and we are narcissists. And those aren't bad words or negative words. Those are just the practical definition of versions of ourselves and it's what you do with those things is is how you sort of like are able to manage your life so uh you know if you know i you know i wouldn't say that i'm an overt narcissist but i'm i'm pretty sure like i i don't think you couldn't be somewhat narcissistic and step in front of um um 1500 people mm. and perform to them do you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i feel like there's there's part of you that wants to be seen and and adored by those many people but i feel like if you let it go to your head then you're just it's almost like a drug in that sense you know what i mean so or or, or alcohol and it's an addictive um it's an addictive uh what should we call it uh, chemical that you then can't um you have to have satiated all the time mm -hmm. and so i think you need to be able to manage that by being aware of yourself and um and, and, and your surroundings as well. And so I think, I don't know if it's bad advice necessarily, but I think it's just, 
I guess sometimes people don't necessarily get the full picture as it were sort of thing. And so, you know, I wouldn't tell everyone to just be a performer because I don't think everyone should be a performer because mm. there are good parts of being a performer and there are bad parts of being a performer. And you could be the most talented person in the room, but if you are not um, mentally stable for it and, and that being whether it's you being somebody that is um, that is easily offended by horrible comments that get made about you, whether it's your appearance, not that anybody should be doing these things, but it happens, unfortunately. Mm. And so we have to be aware of that. That's, you know, that's our responsibility to at least allow ourselves to be aware that things like that happen. Mm. Or if you're constantly worried about your instrument, for example, and aren't necessarily doing things to make sure that your instrument is a fully functioning um, instrument, then I guess you shouldn't be doing that as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause I feel like there is, as I say, a responsibility in doing this job and, and there are so many fantastic perks, but then there are also a lot of downsides to it as well. And I think sometimes people aren't necessarily, whether they were aware of it or whether they ignore it, I don't know, but I feel like it's something to be aware of a hundred percent. I love that. I love that answer. And thank you for touching on that because it's not so often talked about, you know, the thought Ooh. is I want to be a performer at Broadway, West End, you know, that's it. But there's so many other ways to make that life work for you where you don't have Absolutely. to be down, you know, exactly. Um, as we wrap up here, uh, thank you for doing this today. This is such a great conversation. Do you have a particular role that has taught you the most about yourself? or a significant amount about yourself? Uh, you know what? I'd have to actually say, uh, I'd have to say Harpo. So doing Colour Purple, I did Colour Purple um, in the summer of 2019. And again, actually, over the, um, over the um, lockdown, um, I did a stream version of it. And playing Harpo in a time where um, women didn't have much of a voice and they were only expected to sort of cook and clean and essentially be sort of like... Uh, unglorified maids mm. um that taught me a lot actually because the resilience of the women in that show sophia um Shugavery, and in fact um Siegley herself mm. they are all such um powerful individuals in their own way who sort of stood up for themselves Seely obviously eventually but like the other ladies are, are real sort of like in because i feel like people don't appreciate like the time in which it's set like a lot of these things, like the, you know, the 1930s and um, um, up to, I think, the 40s, I think I remember. But like these things were not accepted by women or there was an expectation of men. So like Harpo compared to his father, Mr., like he is a modern man in that time. And 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 he doesn't agree with the way that his father treats women um, and the way that his father and his grandfather sort of like view the world. And I feel like that for me, like I feel like that has taught me a lot just about myself and about others as well. And I think, and it's, and, and as well as, you know, kinky boots, I think I've been quite lucky in terms of like the projects that I've done so far, like, you know, that the, the finale song in kinky boots of like, you know, be who you want to be. I just think that just rings true for so many people and not just necessarily like people from the LGBTQ community, like just because you're a white man doesn't necessarily mean you can't, express your feelings or do you know what I mean like because I feel as though if you're a, a, a white man of a certain age it means that you have to be this or a man in any sense it just means as though you can't express yourself in any other way other than being sort of like this authoritative powerful 
non-feeling person and I don't think that's particularly right you know what I mean (laughs) I feel like everyone should be able to feel them if you're having an off day or if you're not feeling particularly powerful you know you know women don't necessarily like Beyonce should be able to have an off day she doesn't have to always be this powerful independent woman do you know what I mean maybe she's this you know this wallflower sometimes you know what I mean that's cool and I feel like we as a society should be accepting enough of, of others so I feel like you know kinky boots um color purple everything everything that i've done so far i think it's been um truly a a lesson learned for me as well in fact having to say it's that burr is a a really good example as well actually because obviously at the end in terms of the way that this show is written because he was a real person and he did go on to do more bad things but Mm. in in our scenario um of hamilton uh burr does seem to have um a remorse on on what he's what he's done and it takes him the entire show to learn his actions and how it affected others and led him to the scenario that he that he was in when he when he shot Alexander Hamilton. Um, and I just yeah. think, you know, self-reflection, if, if, you, if, if anybody takes anything away from this interview today, it's self-reflection and just being aware of oneself and how and how you affect others. I feel like with COVID as well, I think that was a real good example of how one affects because if you are if you contract uh you know uh covid you then potentially pass it on to others and then that affects you know people do getting on with their lives and so do you know what i mean there's always a knock-on effect so i just feel like be self-aware and be kind to others i love it that's exactly yes i always wonder when I see someone get upset, you know, verbally at another person, what if that person just said I felt insecure instead of yelling? You know, what if you just said it? What would be, would you get made fun of? You know, what would be the actual issue there if you just said how I feel as though if, if somebody, if somebody made fun of somebody saying I feel insecure, then those aren't the people to be in your life as well. Do you know what I mean? So I feel oh, yeah. as though you shouldn't give energy to any, anyone that will make you feel small or make you feel othered or make you feel embarrassed mm. for expressing your true your true uh your true self your true opinions your true feelings you know what i mean i feel as though um yeah they, they're not the, the type of person that you probably need in your life and i think it's important to, to realize that and know that well amen to that um i i wonder as things are ro- opening up and rolling forward is there anything in particular you're looking forward to as life continues on here <laughs> So I didn't, so actually, so quite a few things. Um, one is eating out food. Um, I really enjoy going to restaurants and, and like, it's like, cause London has so many amazing places to go to, to eat. So, um, so yeah, so definitely um, going to visiting different restaurants, seeing friends as well. So like being in, like being in London, I never saw my friends. My schedule is obviously a bit antisocial because I'm pretty much working every evening. And then my day off, I normally go back to Bristol so I don't see people. But then I've got a whole day full of time that I could potentially be seeing friends. So I'm going to try to be more sociable in that aspect once things um, start to relax um, with like COVID and things like that. Um, and then seeing shows as well. And at the moment, we only have matinees on the weekend. So Saturdays and Sundays, we have matinees at Hamilton. Mm. And so in the week, if there are any shows that are doing uh, matinee shows, then I, I'm going to try and see those as well, because mm. I just didn't take take it for granted like I didn't take you know with all the misgivings that um um, London has for my lifestyle Mm. I didn't actually take for granted the things that they they do really well and um seeing shows and food and Mm. socializing they do really well and so so that's what I'm going to try and do now that I'm back 
I, it's amazing what just a little socializing can do for the the soul. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Uh, metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? So I, so I'm a different, different person to when I was younger, but like when I was younger, I found it really difficult to engage myself and to focus or to, or to just get on and, and, and focus on one thing. And so, you know, the Nike slogan, just do it. Mm -hmm. That's what I always used to tell myself. And that was various different things. So like, you know, when I was, a, so I started off being a, a waiter in a restaurant and I used to hate my managers telling me what to do, even if they were right. I just used hate being told what to do but the easiest solution to that was to just do it yeah. and so i and that's the, that's what i i often use now i just like just do it or if it's something that you've been meaning to do whether it's like i don't know like write a play or wash your hair or or, or, or you know propose to your partner or whatever it is just do it so i think i think for me that's that's what i probably what i put on the board and maybe get a commission from nike <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Cause it's such a good quote. I mean, it is really, it is really a good quote. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah, what just happens. Do it. This is great. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Simon Anthony. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Clayton. It's been, it's been fun. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up here today? um no just uh you know come see come see hamilton we're we're on until june of next year and we're having a blast um so yeah so just come come see the show and ho hopefully you know things what's the situation over on broadway actually what we're what's well going we, on there? we got a countdown here for the next few shows to open up uh i, I want to say we're under 10 days as things come back um we've had a play that's been open now for i want to say a week or two and, um, you know, but it's it's the conversation on the Delta variant and what does it mean? You know, vaccinations are now, you know, being vaccinated is now mandatory to enter one of these theaters and to go to uh, September 1st. It's going to be, you know, completely mandatory throughout the city for yeah. everywhere yeah. except like a grocery store, um, which is which I think is is not a terrible thing as we are trying to move along with our lives and we need to take care of each mm -hmm. other because it is a collective mm -hmm. we. We live in a community. Exactly. And you need exactly. rules and laws because we have, you know, trash pickup and electricity. We don't live on an island. So there are things. Exactly. But um, with that in mind, I do think, I think it's going to be a bright future for all of us over here. Um, it's going to be touch and go, though, through the end of this year. But we're excited, you know. So. Amazing. Anyway. Well, good to hear Thank you so much for taking the time today. This is a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you. My pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me. Hey, everybody. Simon Anthony Roden. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.